0: Alright, welcome to the Free Stretch Wild Card Weekend Edition here on JoeBucksFan.com. I am Bobby Fenton and it's honestly, in my opinion, I say it every year, one of the two best weekends of the year between Wild Card Weekend and Divisional Playoff Weekend. And now, of course, it's Super Wild Card Weekend with the extra game. We got, all right, extra two games. We got six games, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and of course... Monday night, 8:15, Raymond James Stadium. The Bucks hosting the Eagles, the NFC South champs, against the number one wild card team, in a rematch of a game that took place also at Raymond James Stadium on Monday night, and that was back in September, three and a half months ago. And the Eagles manhandled the Bucks. How much will that matter in this one? What can we glean from not just that game, but how both teams came in down the stretch? Of course, the Eagles lost five of their last six. The Bucs had a stretch where they lost 6 of 7, but that was earlier in the year, and then they got the job done in Charlotte on Sunday and clinched the NFC South with a win over the Panthers. None of it's going to matter when, as Gene Deckerhoff says, toe meets leather on Monday night. It'll be a whole new football game and a chance for the Bucks to win a playoff game in their 48th season, by the way. Before we get to anything else, I always get sentimental when any of my team's which as far as the pro teams, the Bucks, the Rays, the Lightning, whenever any of them make a playoffs, ever. And it's become, gladly, more commonplace lately in recent years, and it's not a big deal anymore. Like, your teams are supposed to make the playoffs every now and again, fairly routinely. This is the Bucks' fourth playoff pre- appearance in a row, and it's only the second time that's ever happened in franchise history, 99, 2000, 2001, and, of course, the Super Bowl season. 2002 was the other time they made four playoffs in a row. It's the third straight division championship. That's the first time that's ever happened in Tampa Bay history. But, uh, you know, if I, I was born, I'm not going to go through the whole story because I've told it a million times on this show before. But I was born in 1980, grew up my whole life here in Tampa through the 80s and 90s. So if you remember that era or if you know anything about that era, you know that they didn't even have... Forget about a winning season. They lost at least 10 games. They lost double-digit games pretty much my entire childhood. So it wasn't even like they didn't go to the playoffs. They didn't even compete for the playoffs. They didn't sniff them. We didn't even talk about the playoffs. And the games in December didn't have playoff implications, let alone making it until that magical 1997 season, which most of you remember, which is still some of the most fun I've ever had. But part of the reason was because of the novelty so now there's no novelty. The Bucks are in the playoffs all the time. They've won the division three times in a row. In 48 seasons, by the way, this is still only the ninth division title. So not even a quarter of the time. Not even a fifth of the time, actually. They've got a lot of making up to do for some of those barren years or decades. But my point is, I get sentimental about it because I think all of us are kind of products of how we grew up. And we place a premium on things that were scarce when we grew up, and that goes for anything I think of even my my grandparents, a lot of people my age, their grandparents grew up during the depression, and so even as those people got older and America prospered and blah blah blah, you know they held on to some of those values and things you know simple things mattered to them more, and they were able to make do with a lot less, and they you know th- 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 my point is. I'm not comparing having a bad sports team as your favorite team to growing up during the Depression. But what I'm saying is you're a product of what you grew up with. So, having grown up during the era of the Bucs losing 10 or more games all the time, I don't care if they make the playoffs 20 straight years, okay? I'm never, ever, ever going to take it for granted. Because the playoffs, to me, was this mythical thing. And it's the same with the Lightning. And honestly, the Rays, too. All three of our teams here started off really poorly. I mean, the Bucks had that little fast start in 79 and, you know, made a couple playoffs then. But then, you know, there was long periods of futility, basically, and the Lightning had that too. And so did the Rays. So, yeah, I don't ever, I don't care. Like, they can make it every year for decades straight, and I would still be like, whoa, the playoffs. Because I still remember being 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old and watching all those other teams on the, in the playoffs every year. Never even it didn't even hurt either. I was like, oh whatever, the playoffs are for other people. That it's kind of like when you like, you know, you look at a billionaire's house, you see, you know, you drive down Bayshore or whatever, you see there was an article in the Tampa Bay Times about the most expensive home sales this week or whatever it is. I don't long for those houses like, oh man, it just it's just another world. Like, okay. That was what the playoffs were like. I didn't think, oh, the Bucks could have been this team. Didn't even occur to me. So I know they weren't awesome and they weren't awesome last year either. I know they kind of backed in. I know they eked out a win against a 2-15 and team that should have been easy, and they you know, had to scrounge it out just to get in. But they're 9-8. and They're in. They're going to play on Monday night on national television, and not cable either, on ABC in front of the whole nation against the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's pretty freaking cool. And there have only been 10 home playoff games in the history of this franchise spread across... This is the ninth season where the Bucks have had a playoff game happen at home, and that's not counting the Super Bowl. I, that Really, it's 10, I guess, but the Super Bowl is technically a neutral site game, even though, yes, of course, that was a home game. So, as far as actual home, official home playoff games, there have been 10. Bucks are 5-5 five and five in those 10. This will be the 11th. I have, by the way, been in the building for all but one, and that includes... Being in utero for the 79 um, divisional round against Philadelphia and the 79 NFC Championship game. But I actually missed last year's Cowboys game. I stayed home for that one and watched. That's the only only Bucks playoff game in their history played in Tampa that I was not in the building in some form or another. I do plan to be there Monday night this time. I know a lot of people were asking, first of all, why are we in the Monday night slot two years in a row? Or you know, the networks love us, blah, blah, blah. Or the networks love the NFC East and that's been our opponent. What it really is, how they set the TV schedules and things. So for the divisional round, the next week, they want to have that schedule in place even before this weekend's games are over. So the way the playoffs are in the NFL, and it's the right thing to do, and they do it this way, is they reseed every round where the highest seed always plays the lowest seed. It's not a straight bracket the way that baseball playoffs are and the way the hockey playoffs are and the way the NCAA tournament is. It's not straight up, these two teams play, and then, no, no. It can change depending on the outcomes of games. So, the other seed pairings, 2 versus 7 and 3 versus 6, if a 7 beats a 2 or a 6 beats a 3, that changes all the potential matchups, right? You know, depending on if the higher or the lower seed wins, whereas the 4-5 game does not. Either way, whoever wins that, it doesn't change the other matchups. So, the Monday night playoff game, since they want to have all this announced even before that game, has to be the four-versus-five seed in one of the two conferences. Yeah, that's, that's that's how it's going to be as long as they're doing it this way. So it was either going to be, in this case, I guess the other 4-5 seed game is the Texans hosting the Browns. It was either going to be that one or Bucks eagles Just like last year, it was either going to be the AFC 4-5 or, or the Bucs-Cowboys, of course, the ESPN, ABC, you know, monolith they wanted Brady versus the Cowboys that was a no-brainer and this year even with the I mean I wasn't surprised it was a 50-50 shot and I thought even more that maybe a two-to-one shot that the Bucks would be in the Monday night game so here they are so in case you're wondering how that works going forward and, you know, we hope the Bucks are always uh, the highest seed possible. But if they're ever that 4-5 game, you can have a, a better chance knowing that they might be on Monday night. And so it gives Baker, Mayf- Baker Mayfield an extra day for the ribs. I'm recording this show on Friday morning. They are out at practice. Mayfield is out there throwing. He has been not throwing up to today. As far as the rest of the team, the injuries look pretty good. Uh, K.J. Britt was a little tweaked, but he's out there. Worfs is out there aside from Mayfield it looks like the bucks are as healthy as you can be going into the first round of the playoffs it doesn't mean they're perfectly healthy nobody is having just gone through a 17 game regular season but they don't have any official designations really outside of Mayfield and so hopefully he's good to go he is again just i saw snippets on twitter i was not out at practice he looks like he's full go today and it's still only friday so he's got another 72 hours basically uh, to be able to get ready for the game, and hopefully it won't be an, uh, something that bothers him then. Jalen Hurts, for the you know the Eagles part, same issue, not the ribs, but he hurt his right finger in that game against the Giants last week, got pulled, came back in. He has said this week he thinks that was a bad idea, and he regrets doing it. Either way, he has not thrown a football. This. He's been out there, but he hasn't thrown a football this week. I'm not sure about today. I haven't seen the Eagles practice report yet uh, before I started recording. But... It looks like both quarterbacks, and hopefully, I'm not not I shouldn't say hopefully. I don't want injuries to hinder anybody, but Hurts is dealing with something too. And no, I hope everybody's totally healthy. And it's just you know stud versus stud, and, and may the best team come out on top. So who is that team? Well, like I said, the Eagles and the Bucks played in September, Monday Night Football. It was a total ass kicking, just a manhandling by the Eagles. The final score was 25 to 11, but that was with a garbage time touchdown by the Bucks. It was 25 to three before that, and the Eagles ended up. I think they were on like the 10 yard line to end the game. They could have scored more. Point is, that game was not close. In fact, it was probably one of the bigger ass kickings I can remember the Bucks taking. Now, three and a half months ago, things are different now. First of all, in that game, no Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean on the other side. Uh, he played about a half, but it was out due to injury. After that, we know Devin White was tweaked. I remember him getting that interception and then barely running. Um, also, Kalijah Cansey did not play in that game. He's come on quite a bit since that early part of the season. And speaking of people who have come on quite a bit, Yaya Diaby played 25 snaps in that game off the bench. He's a different guy now. And the, I'm not. The, the, these are just individual guys I'm naming. The point is, that was a long time ago. And obviously, if you've seen the Eagles, same thing in reverse. They've been very, very poor down the stretch. And at first, they, you know, they had some. Before this losing skid, if you want to call it a skid, it's six out of, or five out of six. But the Eagles had a couple of big wins. The Eagles beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs in consecutive weeks. They beat Dallas before that, before their bye week. So three out of four weeks and three games in a row, wins over Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo. They had beaten Miami earlier than that. Then they got blown out by the Eagles. Then they lost to Dallas in what was kind of a blowout. Okay, two really good teams. Seattle got beat by them, lost to the Giants, lost to the Cardinals. And the defense has looked bad. They've given up over 30 points a game during that streak where they lost five out of six. And again, some of those were top-notch offenses, like Dallas and San Francisco. But the Seahawks, who they only gave up 20 points to, the Giants, the Cardinals, uh uh-uh, okay? I know the Cardinals are a little bit better now that Kyler Murray's back. But the Eagles' defense has been a mess. Meanwhile, you look at the Bucs, I'll just be up front with you guys right now. I give the Bucs a chance to win Monday night. I would not at all be surprised if the Bucs won. This would hardly be like some monumental upset. I totally think the Bucs can win the game. I do not think the Bucs will win the game. I think they could, and I won't be surprised if I'm wrong, and they do. But this is a Bucs team. Forget about just the Carolina game where, you know, I mean – I'm willing, I know people are saying, oh, the Carolina game really gives me a bad feeling. I'm willing to overlook that, okay? That was one of those days on Sunday where, and and in the NFL, this is kind of the case all the time, more so than like college football, but especially this Sunday, winning was the only standard. So you didn't need to go out there and put on a show. I didn't need to see 38 to 10 or something. I don't care if you look good. I don't care if you look bad. I don't care if you don't give me a lot of reasons to be optimistic. You had a game for the division, basically a winning your in, losing your out situation. And the only thing I gave a charbroiled rat's ass about was them finding a way to do it. And they did, okay? Period. And Carolina's bad. I know their defense isn't terrible. But, yeah, Carolina's a bad team, and we all would have liked to have had that be a game that wasn't even in doubt by the end of the second quarter. And as it is, the Bucs were very fortunate. I'll tell you one thing Antoine Winfield, who you know by now, has been named first team All Pro by the AP. So, this, the Pro Bowl snub and the ensuing, uh, you know, commotion about how unfair, well, at least that he got the recognition with the All Pro team, which is a higher honor, honestly. So, he's been named to that. Mike Evans was second team All Pro. My point is better thank our lucky stars he came to play on sunday because he single-handedly took 10 points off the board from carolina with forcing another fumble inside the 2-yard line that the bucks recovered in the end zone that was in real time looked like a sure thing carolina touchdown then he gets a huge sack on third down that pushes back a carolina field goal attempt that they end up missing that's 10 points that's one guy almost single-handedly the sack you could say you know was a lot of people contributed to that but Almost single-handedly, 10 points, one guy. And that swings a football game. And in this case, it swings a season. So Antoine Winfield, yeah, okay, they needed a lot of things to be just right to get that win. Chase McLaughlin, as usual, again, a guy we don't really give enough credit to. We kind of just take him for granted. Oh, yeah, the kicker. he Make your kicks. Be quiet, make your kicks, and uh, nobody should be talking about you. Well, we should be talking about him because he has been nails all year. None of those kicks on Sunday were like, ridiculous or anything, but he's made him from all points of the field. He's in range when he gets off the team bus. He's been clutch. He's made him in the clutch. He's made him in garbage time. He's made him all. I, I, th- I mean, I can't remember how many he's missed, but it's, it's very few. And, uh, you know, they've just kind of leaned on him a lot. He gets the ones that decide this one on Sunday as well. So, well, my point is, is I don't care. I, I, I'm not worried about that one game. I'm not worried about I mean, Maker, Baker Mayfield being hurt the way he was is definitely one mitigating factor, and I think that in a day like that, and, and plus every game at Carolina I can ever remember has been one o'clock kickoff, like Fox C or D game. Even if even when the Bucks had Brady, like this at Carolina, it's, I mean, I guess some people might say this about the Bucks when they're not that good either. But that stadium and just any game there is just the most low-energy thing ever. Like, if you, if you told me to name the most vanilla experience watching the Bucks over the years, just any Carolina game at 1 p.m. On, on a Sunday in Charlotte, like, it's just the most blah thing ever. It's just a generic, it just feels like a generic place to me. And, I'm, uh, yeah, hey, division on the line, I don't care where it is, you get your ass up and you're ready to go. I'm not saying, oh, the Bucs weren't into it. I just mean, just win and get the hell out of there. And they did it. But looking at the whole season, besides just that one game, the Bucs, quite honestly, just weren't that good against the good teams. I mean, they were, if you look at playoff, if you look at record against playoff teams. The Bucs have, I think, the second worst of the 14 playoff teams. They were one in five against playoff teams. And in the game against Minnesota that they won, at the time they had Kirk Cousins. That team they beat probably would have been a playoff team if Kirk Cousins had been able to stick around. But that one doesn't count. They didn't make the playoffs. But the loss to Philadelphia, bad. Got handled pretty good by Detroit a few weeks later. Buffalo game, didn't get it done on a Thursday night in Buffalo. Blew the win at Houston. Never were competitive at San Francisco. Lost to who else? Oh, that's it. Green Bay, they got the win. That was the one win. So Bucks were 1-5 and five against playoff teams. And I'll even be generous and say two and five, because I think Minnesota probably makes it. But it might have been at Green Bay's expense anyway. Meanwhile, the Eagles, like I said, had some big wins despite their losing streak down the uh, the stretch there, and they were 6-2 and against playoff teams. So that worries me a little bit. Bucks haven't done it against the big boys this year. I worry about up front, the interior line especially. I worry about Hainsey. I worry about Stinney. I worry about... Cody Malk, I worry about the Eagles front getting pressure with just four guys. If the Eagles can get pressure with four guys and they don't have to even do anything else to get pressure, it's going to be a long day, I think. But with that said, I mean, if you look at the Bucks' running game and what it was back then, not just that night, but what it was during that part of the season, I mean, it was an atrocity, right? And things have improved on that front. The Eagles' secondary is in a bad, bad way right now, Is despite how you know their defensive front is still a formidable one. Their secondary has looked really bad, like I said, not just against good teams but against some bad teams as well. So you know, I'd like to see the Bucks get more aggressive, which I've said that all year long. And as they got more aggressive and started looking more down the field and even got more aggressive with the way they ran the ball, their offense improved a little bit. This past Sunday, I think – I think – Although Todd Bowles didn't want to say it out loud, I think they were playing it as close to the vest as possible to still be able to win, both because, one, of Mayfield's rib injuries, but then, two, just because, you know, you're going up against a bad team, and they knew they didn't need to do that, or thought they didn't need to do that much. And they said, okay, we got, especially when they got that third field goal. I felt a lot more comfortable when they got that third field goal. because a two-score game now. I'm like, all right, now, you know, they, they should be able to do what they need to do. But they haven't scored a meaningful touchdown in two weeks. They were they didn't score any touchdowns against the Panthers, and then against the Saints, it was twenty to nothing before they scored garbage time touchdowns. So, like I said, this offense and any offense and anybody who wants to go anywhere in the NFL, I don't care. People say, "Oh, it's December or January and it's cold, not here." But it's you know you got to be able to run the football. Blah blah blah. It is an up front line of scrimmage football game, absolutely, and being able to run the football. Makes a big difference, of course, absolutely. But you need to, as always, aggressively and efficiently pursue points. Up and down the field, yards and points at all times. And if you can do that, then you can do the things they want to do as far as getting a little more close to the vest, getting a little more in the smash mouth, all that stuff. But you can't start out like that and just hope you can... it reminds me of Casino when uh, he's talking about – De Niro's doing the voiceover talking about Nikki Santoro, and he's like, yeah, what were they going to do, muscle Nicky? Nicky was the muscle. You know, you need to challenge this secondary the Eagles have, don't you? What, are you going to muscle the Eagles front, guys? They're the muscle. Stand them up, throw it over their head, and, and make some plays down the football field. And if Mayfield's healthy enough, which it looks like he is, there's no excuse not to at least try. And if you're going to go down, go down doing it that way, in my opinion. And as far as the weather goes, I know people were talking about the weather. Monday night is looking pretty okay. Um, Well, temperature wise, it's looking pretty okay. It's not going to be cold. It should be somewhere in the mid 60s, maybe high 60s. It should be nice and humid. Problem is, it might rain. There's a better than 50% chance of storms throughout the evening. Now, it's still a few days out, so I, you know, I'm just giving you the boilerplate, you know, fortune cookie weather forecast, and it may not rain at all. But as of right now, it's calling for 50 60%, somewhere in that range, in the hours between 8 and 11 p.m. on Monday night. It goes up to actually later in the night, like from 10 p.m., 11 p.m., it's 70%, 80%. So who knows if that actually comes to pass or not. But it is something to watch for, and it could get progressively worse throughout the game. If so, you know, obviously when it starts and what the score of the game is at that time, all those things will come into play. But it's just something else to keep an eye on, both uh, from a football standpoint and if you're going to the game as a fan. Because I went to a rain game a few weeks ago, the Panthers game, the first Panthers game, the one in here in Tampa, took my daughter and I'm not a poncho guy. I'm not a preparation guy at all, really. I'm hey, let's go to the game. Boom, throw on my shirt, throw on my shorts, grab my wallet and phone and keys, and let's go. And my wife will bring like chapstick and ponchos and some snacks. Like, she prepares everything. But this was just me and my daughter and my son. And I don't even care if it rains, my clothes get wet, but I wish I had had a poncho for my daughter that day instead of huddling up there underneath the overhang on the uh, west side of the very last row because they have the little mini press box up there where they use the, the, the cameras that do the filming. There's a little overhang there if you can get under that. There was a bunch of people up there, too. But I still <laughs> – I got this little 8-year-old girl who's soaking wet and, you know, she's not going to listen to Daddy say, hey, tough it out. But I'll stand in a downpour and just street clothes. I don't care, you know. But anyway, think about that if you're going to the game on Monday night. We will not have it as bad as certain people in other parts of the country in the, the six playoff games going on. There's varying. I mean, you got Dallas indoors, Houston indoors, uh, Buffalo up north out there, you know, way up high. It's going to be pretty cold for that one. Uh, Dolphins Chiefs in Kansas City, which is obviously not a warm place in the winter, but not a place you think of when you think of Green Bay or Buffalo or those types of places, okay? We've got, and it was 22 below in Calgary in Alberta, yesterday okay that same blast of arctic air is going to dip all the way into the midwest and temperatures in kansas city for chiefs dolphins are expected to be not just scraping below zero but well below zero and the wind chill and this is a lot of times they hype these things up and it doesn't end up being as bad as they said i've learned that but they're saying the wind chills could get into like the negative 30s if that actually is true It'd be one of the three coldest games in NFL history. There that, that was that Chargers Bengals game at Riverfront where Dan Faust to this day says his fingertips still feel a little bit funny when it gets a little chilly because he, th- he thinks he got frostbite from that game. And there's like, there was one other one. But it could be seriously bad out there. And in fact, I was reading that some Chiefs fans are like, not even, they're, like, they're dumping their tickets. They're like, I'm not, I'm not down with this. That's the Peacock game, by the way, that's going to be only on Peacock. And so, if you want to, uh, n- not that I encourage it, but if you already have Peacock, then okay, you can watch it on that. If you're not a streaming person, like I'm not, I'm an avowed hardcore cable fan, and I, I don't like streaming and all this and that, but it's six bucks a month. So, you can get it for this game, pay six bucks, and as long as you remember to cancel it, or maybe you'll like it and you want to keep it, that's fine too. But if you want to watch that game, they're putting that one NFL playoff game behind the streaming paywall just to see what happens. And let me tell you this, six bucks doesn't sound like a lot, right? No, it's not. In fact, let's say instead you say, I'm going to go to a sports bar and watch this because it's not on TV. Let's go out and and watch it somewhere that they have it on TV. And that's fine. And I encourage people to do that. always do things that are fun. Always go out, go out with friends, go out with family. I always encourage that. It's easy to get in a rut and not call or text your buddies that you don't hang out with as much as you used to. Take a chance and do that whenever you can. But just know, you know, if you want to go out, you probably spend triple digits, whereas it's six bucks if you just stay at your house and get the streaming service. So why do I recommend against that? I'll tell you why. Don't encourage them, okay? That's exactly what they want. "Eh, it's six bucks. Come on. Are you cheap? If you go out, you'll spend 20 times that much. And so then what have you proven? just pay the 6 bucks get peacock you might like it they got the office reruns cuz those were so hard to find and whatever the hell else they I don't even know what they have I don't care but then what happens people do it and they say, "Oh, see? We should put more games behind streaming paywalls." Don't encourage them. Yeah, I've got 6 bucks. I mean, you know, we've all got 6 bucks. I could do it, but I will not. I will not because I don't want to see this be the way that NFL media goes. I don't want this to be the way that any media goes. And I'm not going to do, I mean, we got a wild card game coming up here on Monday night. I'm not going to hijack the show and do a whole spiel on streaming versus cable. But for watching sports, which is what I watch, I mean, if you watch Netflix movies and stuff like that, then fine. For watching sports, cable is superior, always has been, and will continue to be, okay? Okay. And like I always say, people say, "Oh, get with the times, man. Get with the times." If you explain both formats to me, hey, there's this one format where you have all these disparate uh, services. You got to pay five bucks a month for this one, eight bucks a month for that one. Toggle between the apps on your TV, and then there's this other system where you pay one flat rate. Everything's included in one spot. All you have to do is hold this little clicker with, and, and each game has a channel. And they're all there for you. And you don't have to think, oh, and by the way, that other one I just explained to you is on like a 40-second delay from live TV. I would think that cable was the new modern innovation. Wouldn't you? I mean, doesn't it seem like streaming is the Byzantine, uh, old school, you know, really old-fashioned and inefficient way to do things? And they invented this new thing called cable where now everything's in one place. That's what it sounds like to me. So these people say, oh, okay, boomer. I'm not a boomer. Uh, My parents are boomers. But okay, boomer, you get with the times, dude. You want to be there with, with basic cable? You know, welcome to 1989, dude. No, screw you. Yeah, I'm gonna go get 45 different streaming services. End up paying close to the same amount anyway. It's slower, and I can't go back and forth without leaving one app and going to it. And you gotta go through all these, you know, contortionist acts just to get back and forth. You know, Saturday night I may want to watch the lightning game and the NFL playoff game. And so that last channel button, which is my best friend on the remote dial. That's out. The one I got to go to the home screen, get out of Peacock, go back into cable HDMI 3 input. Get the hell out of here. So yeah, I know it's 6 bucks. I get it. But over my dead body am I paying that 6 bucks. I'll will pay d- double it to just extra to the cat. I might actually donate money to my cable company from besides my bill. I'm going to send an extra six bucks to them just to say, screw you, Peacock. That's how I feel about that. But anyway, I do want to, I have to admit, I have to admit, and the NFL is smart. First of all, I want to watch any playoff game. It doesn't matter which one. But second of all, the weather is almost like the third team in this game now. Like there's like an extra character and I want to see what it's like. And I've, you know, grown up here in my whole life. I've never really had to deal with anything like that, but I've been, I go skiing um, in fact, the lowest temperature I've ever been in ever was five below in Breckenridge, Colorado. And that was early in the morning on a day that we went skiing. It got a little warmer and I went outside with my son. I made sure to wear a cut-off t-shirt, no sleeves and shorts. I just wanted to feel it. I said, I, I got to feel because I'd never been in below zero temperatures and we were kind of close to where the hot tubs are. So I don't think, I think the air temperature where I was standing wasn't quite five below, but it was still probably in the single digits and it felt okay. It was not windy at all. Not a lick of wind. That helped a ton, because I've been in 50-degree weather in Florida where it's windy and I feel like I want to die. But if there's no wind, I could be in a meat locker. And it's like, okay, and it's not blowing on me. And there was supposed to be some wind in Kansas City. But, yeah, I never stood you know, for three hours out there not moving and watching a football game. If you're playing in the game, at least you're moving a little bit. If you're coaching or you're a fan, uh, I've never done that before. I don't know what that's – That doesn't seem fun. And a lot of people are saying, hey, man, they should move the game. People are saying this is kind of dangerous for everybody involved. Let's not do this. And you know what? I don't think it's necessarily something I would recommend anybody doing over and over. But one thing I've always loved about football is that the game is set for this time on this day, and we're going to play it unless there is lightning, and that's it. I love that about football. It's not, oh, we'll see, maybe we should – not no. We will play in anything that is not dangerous lightning. And sure, I mean, I don't don't think anybody's going to, like, die from the cold. In fact, you could argue it's more dangerous to play games the way we do here in Tampa a lot of the time in September with 1 o'clock kickoffs, and we play at, you know, 1 p.m., and people are dropping from heat exhaustion right and left in the stands, and then we say, oh, hey, who's that other team? They wear black? Okay, they're wearing black. Make them wear black uniforms, too, while we're at it. Yeah, I think that's more dangerous, probably, I'm not a doctor, but I think I've heard of more deaths from heat exhaustion than I have from overexposure to cold for three hours playing a football game. There are deaths from overexposure to cold, of course, but I'm talking about football games right now. So to me, hey, what time's the game? It's a night game, too. Well, it couldn't even be a day game, although I don't think it matters that much when it's that cold. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be – when it's that cold, though, it kind of – people say, oh, the Dolphins, man, they're really in for it. First of all, when it's that cold, the Chiefs ain't, oh, what do we, Nanook of the North because we live in Kansas City? They think it sucks too, okay? Second of all, the crowd is almost a non-factor. Everybody's wearing mittens. First of all, nobody wants to be there. They're just there because they're there, but they don't want to be there. No, nobody feels good. They'll always, there'll be like three or four guys they show you in the stands that have their shirts off and stuff like that, right? And then besides that, everybody else would rather be anywhere else. And even when you're trying to clap, you ever clap in like, ski gloves or mittens, Nothing, there's no noise produced. So the crowd's kind of muted. Everybody's afraid to move. Everybody's keeping their arms as tight to their bodies as they can just to maintain you know, their core temperature. Nobody wants to put their arms up or anywhere away from their body. Everybody's wearing 17 layers. Nobody can move. That, that's what it's like. like that, it takes the, it's the same thing with Lambo. Like, uh, you know, the, the crowd's out of it in a situation like that. They don't want any more of a part of it. Oh, hey, we're from Kansas City. Big deal, you know. Maybe if you live in Canada or something, but like Kansas City doesn't exactly experience this very often either. So, you know, and, and the Dolphins, by the way, forgetting about the weather, they have the worst record. I think they're one in six, whereas the Bucks were one in five. As far as record versus playoff teams, they have the worst record against playoff teams of any of the fourteen playoff teams. I think that's a bigger issue for the Dolphins even though Kansas City has hardly looked like a world-beater. But the NFL putting that game on Peacock, I get it. It makes sense. First of all, it's a game people want to watch. Second of all, and this is where Goodell is smart, okay? The Swifties are going to want to watch that Chiefs game, and now he's going to get a bunch of the Swifties to kick in for Peacock, aside from the football people, and everybody, you know, all the business people go home happy. If that's what happens, then fine. But anyway, it's like I said... Regardless of any of the matchups, it's wild card weekend. It's always one of my favorites. Saturday at 4.30, they ought to call that the Houston Texans Invitational because anytime Houston wins the AFC South, they automatically go in that first 4.30 slate. And you know what? I'll be loving it. In fact, I'm intrigued by that game against the Browns. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, and we've got six of them lined up starting Saturday at 4.30 all the way until Sunday night nonstop. And then, of course, we get all day. Ma- A lot of people are off work Monday with uh, MLK and all that stuff. And so I know there's no school. That'll help a little bit. Maybe get some early tailgating. Hopefully it doesn't rain too much. And hopefully next week we are talking about a Bucks team in the divisional round of the playoffs. We're not there yet. And in fact, like I said, if I was betting right now, no point spread, no nothing. Just tell me who you think is going to win. I think the Eagles are going to win. I've thought that a lot of weeks in a row lately, though. Every week with the Eagles – I even tweeted it the other day. You can follow me at Bobby Game Day. B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y. Every week, the Eagles have a horrible loss. I'm like, oh, man. In the NFL, you always regress to the mean, right? When you zig, the next week you zag. They're going to bounce back. I thought there was literally no way. I, we, in fact, I do an NFL pool with my buddies where we just pick the game straight up, no spread, and we do confidence points. And... um. Like, you know, if there's 16 games, the one you're most sure of, you put 16, then 15. Without even hesitating, I put Eagles 16 this week. I'm like, there's no way. Like, there is no way they're going to lose to the Giants. They already lost to them. They're not going to lose to them again. Or actually, they didn't lose. They beat the Giants the first time, I believe. But um, they've lost six to seven. They've had horrible losses to all these teams. And every week, I keep telling myself, this is the week they get it together. It's the Eagles. They're not this bad. They're going to start playing better. They're going to do better. And... They went out in there and they laid an egg against the Cardinals, laid another egg against the Giants, lost it. So now I think the same thing again. Oh, they're going to pull it together. They're better than this. If they end the season losing 6 of 7, after what were they, 10 and 1 to start the year? Losing 6 of 7, including their first-round playoff game, to a team two games worse than them in the regular season despite the skid they hit? You know how Philly is. I'm not saying they're going to fire Nick Sirianni or something. I, it's, it's hard to imagine. I, I, it's hard to imagine Philly not being ready to play a good game Monday night. And like I said, I thought that was hard to imagine this past Sunday, and they did it. They played terribly against the Giants. And on the other side of that, I think the Bucks play a good game Monday. I, I really do. But, you know, it's one of those things. At this point in the year, I think you just get a big rag and it's like a whiteboard. You wipe it clean and and here we go Monday night. So we will be back next week. You've got an extra day to enjoy the free stretch, by the way, thanks to the Monday night game. So that's another added bonus. And we'll be back next week, hopefully, talking about a team in the divisional round, like I always say. I think the real, like the line you draw between the big boys and kind of the also-rans, because teams can make the playoffs. Teams can win a bad division, or they can sneak in with the last wild card. There's four of them now. But when you're playing on divisional weekend, like that means you're one of the top quarter of the league, and that's what the Bucks have a chance to do with this win if they can get it on Monday night. You know, the, I'll be really impressed. I already said, like I told you, with their cap situation and, and dead cap money, and by the way, not just the Bucs, the top four teams in dead cap money in the NFL this year. Were the Rams, Bucks, Packers, and Eagles? So I've been saying all year how impressive it is that the Bucks were able to overcome that when most teams that are that high in dead cap money usually finish five and eleven or, or, or five and twelve or whatever it is. But it wasn't just the Bucks. All four of the teams leading in dead cap money actually made the playoffs this year. That's incredibly. I don't think that's ever happened before. Incredibly unlikely that that would happen, but they did it. So not just the Bucks. Their opponent, the Eagles, is also a, a team in that category. But my point is. With this Bucks team, to win the division at all feels like we're playing with house money now. And if they were to win this game on Monday night, I would consider that almost... I would say they can't win again. I'm, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm just worried about Monday. But I feel like that would have been the ceiling you would project before the year. And anything else is just complete gravy. But you know, if we get to that point, I hope we do. We can talk about it then. Either way, we'll talk about what happens on Monday night next week. Enjoy it. Like I said, three-day weekend. Have fun all day Monday. Use it as an excuse. Get together with friends. Have buddies over for this one. You know, go out. Go to somebody's house, whatever it is. But have a good time with it because it's a playoff game. We don't get very many. I don't care how many years in a row it's been growing up the way I grew up. You never, ever take them for granted. It's the NFL playoffs. It's wild card weekend. Enjoy it. Email me if you want to. BobbyGameday at Yahoo.com. On Twitter, you can get me at BobbyGameday. Thanks to our sponsor, our good friends at Bill Curry Ford. Thanks to the Joes. At JoeBucksFan.com, the single best place anywhere, TV, internet, radio, for Bucks coverage, for giving me the platform. Thanks to you for listening. Wild card, Monday night, Bucks-Eagles. Let's see what happens, and I'll talk to you on the other side, wherever you are. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go Bucks.